gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, The Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. I've got a few things to say about Superman, The Superman Vidcast, The World's Best Podcast, and Radio Kale from SupermanHomepage.com, as well as the audio dramas Superman, Last Son of Krypton, and Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton from Pendant Audio Production. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Rocketed as a being from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Hey folks, and welcome to episode 40 of Superman of the Bronze Age. Our first episode of 2012. My name is Charlie Niemeyer, and as always, I am joined by my trusty cohort... J. David Weeder. Party on, Charlie. Party on, David. Yay! (laughs) Today, we once again journey back to that bygone year of 1973 to see what Superman was up to in the books with an April and May cover date. Because we're going to push it a little bit this time. But before we do all that... We want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Services. Want to keep up with all your favorite comics, graphic novels, and collected editions, but don't want to pay full retail price? Look no further than Discount Comic Book Service, DCBS. DCBS is an online comics retailer that offers comic fans the comics they need at the prices they want, with monthly specials that range from 45 to 75% off the retail price and over 13,000 individual collected editions and graphic novels in stock. DCBS is the one-stop shop that every comic fan longs for. Plus, you can earn 5% from your Comixology orders. Use the buttons on the DCBS homepage to place your Comixology orders and you will earn 5% of those orders to apply toward your DCBS orders. For example, if you order all of the new 52 titles, or I'm sorry, all of the DC new 52 titles on day of release, you could earn almost $8 for your next DCBS order. You can find them on the web at www.dcbservice.com and please be sure to visit their sister stores, In Stock Trades and My Digital Comics as well. Next up... Believe it or not, we have an e. Well, actually, we have two emails. Our first one from Christmas Day. We have a new flirt. Sarah C has shown interest in you, and 
we can sign up and meet her online now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our first spam. Yeah, I can't even tell you the email address on here because it's all numbers and letters, and I don't think anyone could type that twice. Oh, wait, this is spam? <laughs> well, if you want it, I can forward it to you so you can see it. But, no, yeah. I, 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 now I know it's all a lie. Yes. The ironic thing is I used to go to a school with a girl named Sarah that had the last name with, that started with C, so it's, like, weird. But this is on the Superman and the Bronze Age account, so that there's no way that anyone would know that. Okay, our actual email that isn't spam, from what I can tell. Well, it is at the end, because he links to a whole bunch of different podcasts he does. Um, is from our good friend Michael Bradley. Yes, Michael. Michael Yay. hosts the Green Lantern's Light. Yes, and my co-host on Thrilling Adventures of Superman every once in a while. And right. if you read at the bottom of his email, he does Thrilling Adventures of Superman, a podcast exploring the history and development of the Man of Steel, Green Lantern's Light, covering the late Bronze and Modern Age adventures of the Green Lantern Corps, and Legends of the Batman, a podcast covering everything Batman from the beginning. Yep. Okay. He writes, Hello, sirs. That would be us. In episode 39, I heard you say that you were going to talk about the TV show that menaced Metropolis. Yet not once did I hear you talk about Lois and Clark season 4. Ooh, too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Clearly, this was an oversight, but I just wanted to let you know. Your pal, Michael Bradley. P.S. Oh yeah, I went there. Oh yeah, he did, and and I don't... (laughs) I can't disagree with him. I can't disagree either. Uh, yeah, I... It was I I liked it for like season one and a, some of, a little bit of season two, but yeah, season three and four were kind of scary. Well, once the whole new Krypton thing happened there, it it went off the rails, and then you had yeah. clone clone Lois. <laughs> oh, clone Lois eating the frog. That was season three, though, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that was the beginning, the end of season two, beginning of season three. Yeah, something like that. Because they actually got married during season three. I thought they got married I'd in season four. They were married in season four. And that's yeah. when the show started declining yeah. really yeah, badly. I thought, I thought they got married like right after the new Krypton thing. Maybe. I don't know. See, folks, that's not the Bronze Age. We don't oh, know that, about it as much. Is that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, is there anything else you would like to bring up before we start? Uh, no, I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to doing two months. So this is going to be a long episode. Let's go this ahead. This is and... going to be a great one. So first, we're going to p- start up with April, and we will pick up right after we let a few of our friends try to get you to listen to their shows. So we'll be right back with Superman 263. After these messages, we'll be right back. In a world where planets die. I have come to the conclusion Krypton is doomed. Did I hear him right? Where good and evil fight a never-ending battle. But millions of people will die. Millions. Once again, the press underestimates me. One man will become a hero. Every world needs its heroes, Clark. They inspire us to be better than we are. Protect us from the darkness that's just around the corner. One man will rise to the challenge. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! One man will wear spandex. 
Well, one thing's for sure, nobody's gonna be looking at your face. Mom? <laughs> well, they don't call them tights for nothing. <laughs> Presenting The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, a podcast looking at the Man of Steel's history via his earliest adventures in comics, radio, and film. Featuring reviews, commentary, creator spotlights, and more. Join the adventure at GreatCrypton.com. enjoy time travel in general and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan and I will be your host. Together we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. The next week, we will feature the Man of Steel's titles, Superman, and Action Comics, which will include the Supergirl stories during her run in the back of that title. You can join me each week on Wednesday or Thursday at the supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com, which is available on iTunes. And your emails are always welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. Presenting Superman. And we are back to cover Superman number 263, which was, of course, cover dated April of 1973, as the next book will be. The actual on-sale date shows as February 8th, 1973, based on Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. Always highly recommended for it of the podcast. Uh, the issue was edited by Mr. Julius Schwartz. Cover was a Neil Adams cover, inked by Murphy Anderson, and actually looks kind of interesting except for the background. We have a, one of those photo backgrounds that's kind of done with Zipatone. It it's looks not bad. It's, it's not bad. It's not but great. Superman himself looks pretty awesome in this picture, and then I'm kind of distracted by the actual cab and the buildings. Okay, you like it? I, 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 I like I'm it. I'm not a fan of the Superman figure here. Really? I think yeah. it, it looks more because half of him's, you know, on fire. Well, yeah, it's it's like, it's uh, what's that word? Dra- not dramatic. Uh, it made me think of composite Superman as well. Yeah, there, okay, there you go, yeah. It definitely, it looks kind of cool, but... I don't know, I just don't like... The idea is neat, the execution just doesn't look very good to me. Okay. But I've never been a huge fan of Murphy Anderson inking inking someone like Neil Adams anyway, so... Okay. That's That's just a personal thing. It's hard for me to get mad at Neil Adams, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, it doesn't even look like Neil Adams to me. Uh, I can... Uh, there, it brings certain issues to mind, and at the same time, yeah, I could see the deviation, mm-hmm. and I think some of that's on Anderson's part. Exactly. But this uh, this issue is Man of Molten Steel, which it just says right there on the cover. 
written by Elliot S. Magan. I don't think I did that right because S should have an exclamation point. So let's try that again. Elliot S. Magan. Penciled by Kurt Swan, <laughs> inked once again by Murphy Anderson, and this issue kicks into gear with a horror director, Simon March, filming a movie and ruining uh, Superman flying overhead, ruining his shot. And as March, who is apparently an angry little man, he yells out, he yells, cut, the actor in the monster suit also screams because the suit is on fire. Superman, seeing this, flies the actor high into the atmosphere to stifle the flames in the thin oxygen. Luckily, he didn't, you know, kill the guy, right, Charlie? Exactly. You know, yep. you don't want to just blow it out. No, no. With your no, super like that. Or stop, stop and roll. Yeah. But Superman, <laughs> so Superman returns to the film set and tears March a new one for basically using cheap props and endangering the lives of his actors. And after Superman leaves, a frustrated March notices an ad in the paper calling for basically those in, in a creative slump. And Dr. Phoenix is the owner of the ad and he can give them immediate creative impulses, which... I wish I'd written that differently because that sounds a little odd. <laughs> but March goes to visit Phoenix, who knows who March is and what he seeks somehow. Phoenix gives March some pills to induce a dream, a horrific dream, which Phoenix will record with his dream viewing device. And none of this seems, stra seems strange to March. But March's dream does feature March riding on a giant fire-breathing fire wolf and setting Superman ablaze, melting half of the Man of Steel. Phoenix wakes Simon up because if he'd remained in the dream any longer, he would have had a nervous breakdown. But Simon is desperate. He wants to see the end of this dream. He demands to see it. And Phoenix says that he will grant the request if Simon gives Phoenix his ability to dream. No, nothing strange here. <laughs> but so Simon actually signs it over. And the next day, Clark gets an assignment from Percy, who is the son of the shareholder He's that Edge has basically has Clark babysitting. But he gets an assignment to interview Mayor Harkness as Simon goes back to work on his movie, filming another monster scene. Phoenix works on some, works some science magic, or a term I'm going to coin here, because we do see this often in Superman, smagic. <laughs> yep. Nice. That's what I'll call it. And it actually calls the flaming monster wolf of Citroke into reality. And Phoenix watches Simon's movie set from a view screen, saying that he hasn't been this excited since he tricked Custer into attacking Little Bighorn. What? <laughs> and the Flaming Wolf actually does appear on Simon's movie set, and Simon is aflame, just like in the dream. Meanwhile, Clark at the mayor's office hears the commotion of the giant wolf walking down the middle of the street and slips away from Percy to become <sighs> Superman. Yeah, if there was ever a job for Superman, a Flaming Wolf walking down the middle of the street... That'll do it. Superman flies onto the scene, and Simon thinks his dream is coming true, and it does. The wolf sets Superman on fire, and half of Superman melts like molten metal. Now, Superman, who is vulnerable to magic, or smagic, recalls the legend of Apollo slaying a monster wolf and allows himself to be swallowed whole by the monster. And if this wasn't weird enough already, inside the wolf, a sword, which apparently belonged to Apollo, greets Superman who uses it to, to destroy the flaming pentagon within the wolf, kind of in accordance with the Apollo legend. So that's how the dream ends. Phoenix is defeated, or pardon me, uh, March is defeated. His wolf disappears, and Simon's taken into custody, and Superman flies away wondering, pretty much what we're all wondering, what just happened? And the story closes with Dr. Phoenix looking at a crystal box that will give him the ability to dream at last. 
and now he can set his sights on his next project, the Man of Steel himself. So who is the mysterious Dr. Phoenix? Well, we'll actually find out a few issues from now as for this issue. Charlie, what did you think? Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that even though you made a made a big deal about getting that S in Elliot S. Magan done with enough brava, uh, gra- gravitas and bravado, in the story it doesn't actually have an S there. But this is the this is sorry, he didn't he <laughs> develops the S later. Yes. I know this is Elliot. Uh, yes, know everyone knows him. We all say it. It's just I was just pointing that out. It just says Elliot Magan. But anyway, just had to give you crap. Um, beyond that, it was... Um, yeah, like I said, I don't know why Superman... On page two, I don't know why Superman couldn't just, you know, blow the fire out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm, just, I'm just glad the, the poor actor's head didn't implode in the vacuum. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hold your breath, and then I'm just going to wrap my cape around you. That's not... I mean, I know it's the Superman cape, but please. But yeah, at the um, same time, when he's flying him up, wouldn't that cause the flames to spread at the same <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Unless you're going at super speed, at which point the guy's head's going to burn before you could get the cape on him. But yeah, that, that that's yeah. Um, really, I don't have much to say about the, you know, page by page. But well, actually, I do. Percy comes in. We've seen him before. He was in. He was a main character in the Jimmy book, and of course, he was in that. Uh, in there a few episodes ago when we talked about the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he he's definitely a Superman recurring character, just not so much in the main books. Uh, but beyond that, uh, yeah, this wasn't my favorite Superman story. It was twisted. It was weird. It was twisted and weird, and the art, while, you know, still good, was not... The Swanderson, the usual Swanderson art we've gotten used to a little, uh, last few episodes, uh, or last few months, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, I'm not saying it's terrible; it still looks better than the backup story, I think. But as for yeah, it's just not as up to par as it usually is. No, it's it's very off. Mm-hmm. Everything about this issue was off. Um, I, yeah. I thought you could have gotten more about Dr. Phoenix, and I know we will in 266, but that's a long way off in, in, in terms of real time. If you were reading this monthly in the 70s, that's three months. You will have forgotten about Dr. Phoenix because he didn't leave that much of an impression on me as the villain. Yeah, exactly. However, if somebody gives me fear, high-intensity pills, um, I might pass. I'm just surprised March didn't have a red flag go up. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. Sorry. Okay. Red flag. Yeah, I. The fear. The yeah. The fear pills were weird. Uh, then the fact that I, I wouldn't think anyone. Of course, if if you're a desperate movie person, but yeah, signing over your ability to dream would just be weird. I would just kind of be like, uh, whatever. I don't think so. This is getting creepy for me. Yeah. Look, I gotta go. Stranger danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stranger <laughs> danger. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. I need an adult, please. <laughs> but I, I was kind of, I was, I was on par with what you're, it just, this was one of the hardest synopses 
to really get into because there's so much weird imagery. It looks like a David Lynch movie. Like a, a dwarf <laughs> should be walking in the middle of the dream talking backwards. Yes. And I, I, I wish I knew a really good dream analysis. Um, somebody who's, you know, has a degree in psychology. And I may, I may track one down because there's got to be something more to the imagery we're seeing here. I'm riding on a flaming wolf and I melt somebody, half of somebody. And then Superman jumps into the horse's mouth. And I said a horse. Superman jumps into the wolf's mouth. And and then, yeah, I he goes through a whole bunch of weird stuff and a talking sword. And he uses it to bust through a flaming pentagon. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, like the whole Blaze in the post-crisis, the stuff with Blaze, other than the talking sword. Because he's, he's melting more as he keeps moving on. Yeah. He's not actually made of metal. Well, it is magic. I know magic... Yeah, magic can hurt Superman and do whatever it wants to him. Well, the rules are out as far as magic. That's kind of why magic affects him is that there is no logic to it, where his powers are physiology-based. Magic doesn't go by that logical, physiological method. Exactly. Right. But even by that, that's still pretty weird. Yeah. This was, I, I'm almost wondering if... Um, of course, I don't want to be mean or anything, but I, don't, I almost wonder if Elliot was... maybe ha- had taken some cold medicine or something before he sat down to write this. And, <laughs> and, and it just... And maybe he had a beer with it, and it just kind of, you know, was really weird and or something. I'm not sure. Or maybe, maybe it's like uh, Stephen King some sort of Stephen King book where he's automatic writing and suddenly, oh, I have a script in front of me. How did this happen? Exactly. Well, let's yeah. run with this. Or, you know, he kind of woke up and realized he'd been writing in his sleep all night or something. I don't know. This just, yeah, this is just weird. But that's about all I have to say. <laughs> yep, that's all I got. Too weird. Everyone knows that baby Kal-El was sent from Krypton to Earth by his parents, Jor-El and Lara, shortly before the planet was torn apart by violent internal pressures. But what else do we really know about Krypton and its history? Journey with us now as we explore the fabulous world of Krypton. This was actually Unhappy Birthday to You, written by Carrie Bates, penciled by Dick Dillon, inked by Frank McLaughlin. And Clark Kent is surprised with the birth party by his friends, including Percy, Lois, Perry, Jimmy. looks like Morgan Edge is there. And Clark thinks that, yeah, this is happy, but on his native planet, birthdays were a time of sorrow. And to explain that, we flash back to a primitive time, as per usual, when there was only one tribe of people on Krypton when they lived under the protection of a glass forest. Uh Uh-huh. 
<laughs> when they well, and they look like they were from the Bible. Yeah, again, yep. And one day, a boy walking in the forest is shocked when the glass actually begins to break and shatter around him. And he's brought before the tribe's patriarch, where we learn that the boy's mother, his name is Gar, his, mo- his mother died just a day ago from illness. So the patriarch asks how Gar felt as he walked through the forest, and Gar says that he felt feverish and hot, and he had this emotion that he couldn't define, and suddenly it was gone, and there was all this destruction. So the patriarch orders Gar to the medical overseers and turns to the chief's. Turns out the chief's brother, Maytir, not to be confused with Maytag, was listening to the conversation, and he sees an opportunity to take down his brother and become chief, which is also called a drom. And the drom and his lady Roxa are walking in the glass forest when it begins to melt and fall down like hot wax from above. The drama is able to escape with Roxa, who tells him that she, too, felt this odd emotion. The drama notes his brother acting suspicious, and days follow with more catastrophes, which Maytir uses to launch a smear campaign on the drama, saying, well, he just can't manage this. He, why is he still the leader? Now, later, as the drama looks upon the statues, upset by what his brother's doing, he, too, feels the fever, and the statues combust in front of him. And he realizes the emotional common element, so he goes and addresses the people. He's made a serum, because Kryptonians were never able to express their sadness, and the only outlet they have is destructive energy. So the serum was made to absorb the energy, which every six years would release in the form of droplets from their eyes. So essentially every six years on their sixth birthday, they would have Kryptonians would have crying fits. And Clark, now we're back to him, looks back on this and says he'll take the unhappiness over the dread alternative. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have seen Superman shed tears. Mm-hmm. Which means that that kind of throws this whole thing, because if Kryptonians aren't supposed to be able to to cry except every six years, right? Am I getting that right? Uh, They'll be forced to cry every six years is part of what I understood. Okay. Still, it's weird. It, it, it didn't make any sense. No. This, this whole issue was a bust, really. Like, <laughs> I hate to be negative, but the the art didn't improve in the backup story, and why does all the why do all these fabulous world of Krypton stories have to be a downer? Well, yeah, I know it's so depressing. Now, how? Can this kid have a whole glass forest um, shatter above him and all around him, and he doesn't get hurt? I know he's Kryptonian, but on Krypton, he's just human. Yeah, but it's just weird. Well, it's not. I mean, when 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 the glass forest starts melting, at least you, they they get under something that basically acts as asbestos. I get that, but uh huh. Yeah, this makes no sense. It's not even a scratch on him. Yeah, and they get through all the fire without getting touched, and they have huge sandals. This reeks of a, of a story that's kind of written under the wire. Oh crap! I got a deadline tomorrow. Let's uh, let's crap something out. Yeah, pretty much. What I want to know is how the drum guy, what's his name? I don't think it ever gave his name. What I'm wondering is, I'd like an untold tale of, or a fabulous world of Krypton where they explain how he got that thing on his forehead. Yeah, that I don't even know what that is. It makes me think of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, except that would be on his throat. 
he, he's V'ger. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Haha. <laughs> yeah, that would be on his throat. Yep. <laughs> this is on his forehead. It. I Weird. think it just. It looks. It looks pretty. That's all. Yeah, and he's got like a Caesar kind of haircut. I don't. This is. <sighs> yeah. This. This is what I was handed to synopsize. It was your turn. I know. I know. It's just, man. I. I couldn't. I. I want. I try to be objective. But this was so unbalanced and made no sense to not even to the mythology, but to the story within itself, just as a self-contained story. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? You get sad and things get destroyed, so we're going to cry every six years. Wait, no. What is this, Doctor? This is some sort of a fairy tale? Like a Grimm's fairy tale? I know. And and I have to admit, look, Clark has been on Earth since he was roughly like, I think, two is the what they're going with on here uh, in the Bronze Age and Silver Age mm-hmm. is that he got to Earth when he was about two. And for one thing, this isn't his real birthday. And two, um, he's been on the planet for say he's 29. Like he's eternally 29. That would mean that he's been on Earth for probably about 27 years. Mm-hmm. And you would think that on a fake birthday, he could pre- at least pretend to be happy in front of all the friends that threw him a surprise party. Really? Instead of standing there and moping. Well, that and you got to think that on his actual actual sixth birthday, well, he doesn't take the serum. Yeah. I was going to say that if he is taking the serum, or maybe if he was in his bloodstream, like an inoculation birth, then every six years on a random day, he's just going to have crying fits. Right. <laughs> what? Maybe he got some serum taken when he was a baby? Since it'll know. remain in their bodies from now on when they drink it the first time. So maybe it was one of those, um, you know, the baby's born, get him a bottle, give him some of the serum, and swat him on the butt make sure he cries. I don't know. Yeah. They do a... They, there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of things that they'll do to a, that they do to a baby, right after it's born, so that it won't realize it's ever had it happen to them, you know, afterwards. So. It still, it just doesn't. It didn't make sense at all. The story was. Yeah. Most yeah. of most of the time, I enjoy these at least for, for giggles. But in this one, I I didn't enjoy it. It was a task to actually sit down and read it. And, and the, I think the thing that gets me is this isn't. It's not his real birthday. No. This is... The, it's it's his fake birthday. Uh, it's used to mark the day his rocket landed in Smallville. And... So... We still don't know what his real birthday is, although apparently kind of go with February 29th. Hi, Michael mm-hmm. Bailey. And so there's no reason for him to be getting upset anyway. Now, if it was February 29th and they were doing this, maybe I could let it go. But the fact that this is June 18th, which isn't any reason, there's no reason for him to be all mopey. That's all I'm saying. I think he can walk it off. Exactly. And he should be at least pretending to be happy for his friends. It's kind of part of the disguise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially since they went to all the trouble to have a surprise party for him. Well, his parents are dead in this era. 
He could play that off if he really wanted yeah. to be rude. I miss my parents on my birthday. Still. I don't know. But that's... That's about all I have on that, that one. That, yeah. Too bad we didn't have a lot to say on these. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, action's a little bit better. Yes, it is. So why don't we so. take a break, listen to some promos, and get on that. That's right. Let's do that. After these messages, we'll be right back. I couldn't believe he was really dead. I didn't know what I could say to you. Yes, child, we know, we know. I was there. I watched him fight that thing. I watched him die. I didn't do anything but watch him die. Lois, Lois, now listen. It's not your fault. You did all you could. Everyone did everything they could. Now you've got to get on with your life. We all have. The battle is over. A hero has fallen. Miss Lane, I monitored Superman when I arrived. I cannot pick up any brain activity at all. As the city mourns, a family comes to grips with the loss of their son. <sighs> I keep coming back here to the North Pasture, to where he first came into our lives, to say goodbye. His fellow heroes feel regret. Oh, if only I could have helped him, Lex. While his enemies see opportunity. Well, now I'm back on top. And you can't do one blessed thing about it. You're dead. You're nothing. Metropolis is mine again. And you are an empty lifeless, withering husk. Worst of all, his true love has to learn to live without him. Goodbye, Kal-El. This January, from Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by supermanhomepage.com and supermanpodcastnetwork.com begin their coverage of the second part of the Death and Return of Superman trilogy. Every Thursday, you are invited to join hosts Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor as they explore how his friends, loved ones, bitter enemies, and fellow heroes deal with the loss of the Man of Steel. A city in mourning. A world without Superman. A funeral for a friend. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in action comics magazine all right and we're back with action back. comics yeah sorry <laughs> so yeah we're back <laughs> with action comics number 423 with an on sale date of february 27th 1973 and a cover price of just 20 cents with a cover by nick carty showing Superman being arrested for 
murder. And it actually looks kind of cool. Um, the title what? of this story... I know, isn't it crazy? But the title of this story is Luther's Hammer of Hate, written by Carrie Bates, with art by Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson, and edited, as always, by Julie Schwartz. And this story has been reprinted in Best of DC number 27, which came out way back in 1982. August, to be exact. So nine years after the story came out. That's pretty nice. Nine and a half years, almost, exactly. But, but that's not the point. Okay. After an opening splash page of Lex Luthor reminiscing about his various defeats at the hand of Superman, we go to the Metro Institute, where Clark Kent is interviewing Dr. Morton Thames. Or Thames. I'm going with Thames about his new Mentograph, which is able to measure the brainwave activity of everyone in Metropolis in hopes of finding a way to use brainwaves as a power source. During the interview, they notice a spike in the brainwave activity, which just so happens to correspond with a shout of joy at a secret hideout under an auto graveyard, as Lex Luthor is jubilant that after two days of pure concentration, without sleep and food, He's finally figured out how to transfer his fatal weakness to Superman. The next day, Clark, Lois, and Jimmy go to the Stanismon, which sounds like a Pokemon, Stanismon Acting School after being sent by Morgan Edge so that they can learn to better dramatize their TV reporting. Inside, director Anton Fellaini has Lois acting like a rabbit, Jimmy acting like a snake, and Clark fetching a bone like a dog. Unfortunately, the bone went behind some boxes, so Clark decides to cheat and uses X-ray vision to find it. But since he's only been using his X-ray vision since he was a child, and therefore can't really control his power yet, he accidentally overshoots his X-ray vision all the way to a bank across the street and spots Lex Luthor robbing it. Cut to the bank, where Luthor is successfully threatening to use one of his super weapons without actually having to. He finally exits just in time for Superman to show up, so he shoots Superman with his weapon. But it turns out to be a disguised machine gun, which of course doesn't harm the Man of Steel whatsoever. Superman then reveals that Luther is actually just a two-bit hood using a lifelike mask to cash in on the real Luther's fearsome rep. Leaving the hood in police custody, or custody as I have in my notes, Superman soon gets to an alley and switches back to Clark while realizing that Luther has been quiet since he escaped from prison over a week ago, which cannot be a good thing. Speaking of Luther, he's busy using a giant hammer to destroy a Superman statue. He also reveals via Thought Balloon that his fatal weakness, mentioned earlier, was his hate for the Man of Steel, which he had allowed to cloud his judgment, making him only half the foe he could have been. But he's finally come up with a way to use that to his advantage. The next day, at a military probing ground outside of Metropolis, Superman arrives to help test some experimental artillery. We then get to watch as the military repeatedly fire artillery shells at Superman, while he, while he uses his superpowers to provide data faster and more precise than any man-made instrument. Suddenly, from out of nowhere, a strange mini-tank somehow enters a secure military facility and fires a large hammer, the same hammer we saw earlier, at Superman, which seems to harmlessly smash against his chest. But then we see Luther pop out of the mini-tank, 
and we see what has happened as Superman sees his foe and is so overcome by an intense hatred that he takes off and flies right into the tank, tearing it apart from the inside, only to find out that Luther was a dummy with a tape recorder. And I mean it like a actual, like a safety dummy kind of thing, not a idiot. But miles away, we see Luther appear out of nowhere, revealing that he had been in the tank and that his teleportation chair had actually whisked him away before Superman could get to him. He points out that his plan is obviously working because Superman would not have normally fallen for his dummy trick. That night, during the WGBS 6 o'clock newscast, Clark begins to report on the Luther story and goes into an angry tirade, which causes Edge to go down to the studio and give Clark a piece of his mind, telling him to straighten up. Later, after slipping away and changing to Superman, our hero flies off, realizing that something is very wrong. Returning to the probing ground, Superman inspects the hammer, which was not already collected by the military for some reason, and is able somehow to tell from the way it glows that Lex was able to transfer all of his hatred to our hero. All this thinking about Luther starts to set him off again, but he's able to keep it under control. Then he thinks he or then he realizes just how dangerous things would be if he lost control and remembers the interview from the beginning of the story. So Superman takes off for the Metro Institute. The next morning, a breaking news bulletin comes across all newspapers, radio, and television, reporting that Superman has confessed to the murder of Dr. Thames, after mistaking the professor for Lex Luthor, and is still at the Metro Institute preparing to surrender to the, pro to the police. Luthor, deciding that now is the perfect time for him to strike Superman's death blow, puts, in a, puts on a special glove and uses his chair to teleport inside the Metro Institute. Inside, he sees Dr. Thames laying on the floor. After he gets out of his chair to investigate, Superman shows up and basically karate chops the chair in half. Superman, who is in perfect control of himself, reveals that the news reports were faked to lure Luther out of hiding. When Luther asks what happens to Superman's hate, he points to the mentograph, which is currently displaying, I hate Luther. Superman reveals that he and Dr. Thames devised a way to transfer his hatred to the mentograph, which was using that hate as a power source ever since. This leaves Lex hating Superman more than ever, and he attempts to use his glove to punch Superman, but Superman is able to dodge the punch and lock out Luther instead. At this point, Dr. Thames, who was obviously faking, shows up to point out that the mentograph is powering down now that it has consumed all of the hate. What did you think about this one, Dave? It was, it was, you know what? As, as weird as the Superman issue was, this was weird too. But however, I couldn't stop enjoying it. Yes, um, it was goofy, but it was fun, goofy, and that's a huge difference. And since we've been covering these books, since I've come on the show, this is the first time Luthor's shown up, and he's wearing the a wicked cool. What will become kind of his zoot suit down the road, but he's at least a prototype of it because he's wearing a purple turtleneck and green pants, which is kind of a cool look for him. Rather yeah, than getting there, yeah. But yeah, soon we'll see the one with the buckles and the straps, like he's from the '90s. But no, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was <laughs> it was weird. I didn't it it didn't have to make sense to me because I'm like, oh, I'm having fun. Exactly. I, did, I do like the scenes. I, I mean page 8 when Superman's testing the art artillery and this tank just kind of rolls on there and shoots a hammer at him. He just gets this look like, really? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, 
Uh, it's a hammer. What's this going to do? You think you're Thor? Come on. <laughs> it's not even a big hammer. It, no. Well, it's a big hammer, but it's just... It's not a Thor hammer. It's no okay. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Thank you. It's not that. No. But no, this was great. This was and, and Swan was kind of back in form. Mm-hmm. And I like the concept that we're transferring hate from one another. It's just the big thing that stood out for me was if Luthor transferred his hate into the hammer, why does he still hate Superman? Well, he didn't for a little bit because he was all calm and control. And then when he found out what Superman did, you know, the hate came back. So it's, it's fresh hatred. I get Yeah. It's like all new hatred. He hates and him all over again. Why can't I quit you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think the Mentograph has a great name because it makes me think of the candy. Like, I can go in and kill this scientist, oh. but I'm going to show you this this package of candy and we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> the Fresh Maker. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What else is fun? I didn't really have that many page-by-page notes because... Because I mean, it was a good one. It was a good one. I mean, the 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 art was great. Um, I do. I would like to see what Luthor's glove would do. Yeah, this isn't the first time. Super. Uh, he has the. He's had pulled these out before, which didn't sound right. But um, just so far in this show, he'll have a special glove, and he never actually gets to use it because Superman will, you know, get out of the way or whatever. But that he believes or promises will. You know, destroy Superman. It's only one single glove, like he's Michael Jackson. <laughs> Do you think Michael Jackson read this book? He's like, I got this idea, guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got an idea for a glove. I just want to try out. Um, wow, I can't believe we just did that oh, in front of a. Oh, you leave, leave that in. Leave that in. Oh, I will. Okay. But the guy's dead. <laughs> Uh, well, um, I do like the the final thing I like is Lu- Superman just basically wrapping Luthor's head in a cape and just giving him a little dunk. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you would think. Well, I guess it just goes to show how exactly the hate does mess him up because Luthor's smart enough and has gone up against Superman enough to know that running up at you know human speed with to try to punch him isn't going to work against a guy that has super reflexes. Yeah, really? So, yeah. I thought you were supposed to... I thought Luther was supposed to be a genius. Well, exactly. I think that's the point, because the hate, the hate only makes him half the bad guy he could be. And Touché. he can't stop the hate. Yeah, see? There's like a deeper meaning, and I don't know if it was intended, but I found it. Or, you either found it or created it. Either way, it sounds good. Yep, it'll work. <laughs> yeah. Well, as for me... um. I, I actually came up with four whole page notes instead of like four half ones. But okay, page one. We have we have Luther reminiscing, I guess. Now I don't know if any of these actually ever happened. I would imagine they probably didn't, but maybe they did. Um, but the one picture of Superman pounding Luther into the ground. I think that's completely physically impossible. Uh, without one breaking Luther's skull, or two breaking the rest of Luther's body. I was gonna say, wouldn't his spine basically collapse like a telescope? He he'd be jelly. <laughs> <laughs> if his skull didn't break, everything else would. 
and if his skull did break, everything else still would. So, yeah, that wouldn't actually happen. He would have to be, like, Super Luther or something. But, you know, it could be a flashback to a time when Luther actually had Super... I don't know. We're early enough in the Bronze Age that these could be flashbacks to, like, Silver Age things or something, and we don't know it. This is true. Maybe we'll just keep paying attention to Billy Hogan's show, and maybe he'll cover these. Um, page four. Um, I was really hoping we would see that there was some kind of point to making our favorite reporters act like animals, but we don't. No. <laughs> we just get to see our favorite reporters acting like animals for no apparent reason. None of them even do a story other than Clark getting all crazy. Um, on the plus side, I do like the detail that uh, Jimmy st- is sticking out his tongue That that is a snake. That's pretty cool. Uh, page five. We have a rare occurrence. Superman's actually getting shot in the face. You don't see that too much. Usually, they're always shooting at the S. So it's kind of cool and refreshing to see him getting shot in the face. And once again, he's nonplussed. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not. It doesn't matter. Of course, it's not as cool as watching a bullet in slow motion bouncing off his eyeball. But no. it's still pretty cool. One of the coolest shots in Superman Returns. Oh, one of the coolest shots in any of the Superman movies, if you ask me. Uh, I'll give I you would that. be really cool. It'd be really cool if they could have done that with uh, Reeve. Reeves? Christopher Reeve. He's one Reeve, and George is, is multiple, right? Correct. I think, yeah. <sighs> That's always confusing me. Okay. And then page six. We see Lex Luthor trashing a Superman statue. Where does he get these things? This is probably the second or third story that we that I that has been covered on this show where he's trashing a Superman statue. So either he's making them so that he can trash them, which is very unhealthy. Or he's found like a surplus place and is buying them. <laughs> Both are great because you have a, a Lex Luthor that I mean obviously he's not the picture of sanity, but I want to see this surplus place cuz I know. I want to see like this. There's like somewhere there's in Metropolis. There's like this huge warehouse of just Superman statues, and that would be any. I mean, Jim Hamburg would go nuts if he could find that. Cayman stole. Came. Oh my God, that would be Cayman <laughs> would buy the building. Are you kidding me? And today, Cayman Stoll's head exploded when he found the <laughs> Superman statue. Uh, statue. Actually, I'm pretty warehouse. sure just about any of the anyone in the Superman podcast network would have their heads explode if there was. Well, something you, like this. You can get a, a life-size Superman statue if you have about three thousand dollars. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no problem. I don't have three thousand. If I had three thousand dollars, if I had three thousand dollars, do you think I'd be sitting here doing a podcast about a Superman statue? Touche. Thank you. Um, but beyond that, um, I thought this was actually an interesting concept for a story, and probably one of the most ingenious plans I've seen Luther come up with, at least up to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how you can transfer an emotion into a hammer and then into another person, but it's science fiction, so it's, I'll let that slide. Um, you know I've, what this is? This is that, that girl you date who's really not that smart. Before we were married, of course, but she's not that smart, but she's pretty. 
So you, there you, go. you put up with a few things. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought the art here was great. It's definitely a step up from last from the Superman issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, they seem to have gotten back on the ball. I don't know. It's almost like the Superman one was rushed some, for some reason, maybe. Or maybe Luther being in this one. Or maybe the fact that the story was actually a little bit better maybe had something to do with it. I don't know. Sometimes a good story can inspire the art, good art from the artist. True. Um, and as far as I can, I'm concerned, the Swanderson team other than a few hiccups like we were discussing just keeps getting better and better they're gelling really well by this point yes um, also I was just realizing as I was looking at the cover uh, they have a they have a little Silver Age-ish Superman underneath the DC Comics I don't know if you want to call that a bullet oh patch and with the red background it looks like Superman Red <laughs> Uh, for those that can't see it, basi- uh, and you can see it, it'll be in the image for the show, but basically what all they have is uh, Superman from, uh, what are you going with, the, the neckline up, mm-hmm. plus they have the S. So with the red background, all you see is just a whole lot of red in it, so it looks like Superman red from that f- uh, famous 60s imaginary story, Superman red, Superman blue. Not to be confused so. with the less interesting 90s version. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no electricity. There's no, well, it wasn't electric. There's no, wooga, wooga, wooga. there's no energy. That was the electric slide. Never mind. Um, yeah. There's no like, energy here. Superman's hair is not floating or anything. He's got eyeballs. Well, you can't see him because it's so small, but I'm sure, I'm sure he's got eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about the first story? Yeah, I think it could have maybe benefited from the additional pages that were given to the backup story, with the fleshed out a little bit, kind of explaining the hammer. But I'm okay without it. I think it might have benefited. It could have ruined the story. Yeah. Well, see, that's the other thing. It could have benefited from more story from more story from that. But then they had the whole robber scene, which they really didn't need. True in my opinion. So I don't know. It's one of those. It's like, oh crud. We put in those extra pages because we thought we ran out of room, and it turns out we needed more room. Oh well. Uh, but bef- um, but before we go, we get to the next one because this only appears in action. So I'm going to go ahead and mention it. Uh, if you'll remember, a few episodes ago, we talked about Action Comics number 419, which involved the son of Superman and Superman dealing with the LST, which apparently stands for Large Space Telescope, designed by Grumman Aerospace. Well, this ep- this issue actually features a photo that was sent to DC Comics of four of the gentlemen that actually work for Grumman Aerospace sitting down and enjoying the issue together. They're all smiling. They, they really seem to be getting a kick out of it. Uh, only one of them really has 70s hair. Uh, the rest of them are balding, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So I just that wanted to point great. that out. It's pretty cool, and you could definitely tell what issue it is because of the famous cover on the the book. So it's it's, it's really cool. Okay, the human target is our backup story this time, and we get to pick up from our last issue. If you as you recall, basically, um, we learned the origin of Christopher Chance and that he's going to help stop 
the killer of his father. We begin with Chance in his Hiram Walsh disguise. He has found the key to Walsh's safe deposit box right where Walsh said it would be, and is now heading out to empty its contents. He is about to enter an elevator when two young men call to him to hold the door open. To catch a predator. Um, Chance had spotted them following him earlier. What did you, you think was going to happen here? <laughs> well, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Uh, I, I didn't notice it till I had to actually say it. When I wrote it, I didn't, know, I didn't make a big deal. But anyway, <clears throat> Chance has spotted them following him earlier and is not surprised when the elevator passes the lobby level and they pull weapons on him. At the basement, they all exit the elevator and the young men point out that someone is offering a lot of money for him and they want to know why. Chance quickly takes down one of the men and questions the other, learning that someone is offering money for reports of Walsh's <coughs> yeah, Walsh's cough. For reports of Walsh's whereabouts. The young men had gotten ambitious and were trying for possibly more money, and that all they have is a phone number to contact the man offering the money, who is, by the way, an old man with a hearing aid. After getting the phone number, Chance increases the pressure on the punk's neck until he passes out. After a flashback to last issue, Chance then tries leaving the basement but discovers there's a third member of the team who appears to be a high young man driving right at him at high speed. Chance is able to use a conveniently nearby fire escape ladder to leap over the car and let it crash into an alley wall. But Chance doesn't care about the driver right now. He's got an appointment to keep. After with calling a friend of oh, sorry. <laughs> with destiny. Anyway, after calling a friend at the phone company, Chance, still in his Walsh disguise, he has yet to change, traces the phone number to the Wilmer Theater. Currently not showing anything right now. Inside, Dancer makes himself known by shooting the gun out of Chance's hand. He raises his gun again to shoot Chance, but Chance is able to pull the support ropes on a sandbag, causing it to fall right on Dancer's gun hand. He tries to recover the gun, but Chance is faster and is able to tackle his foe. After a short skirmish, Chance gets his hand on the gun and while holding the assassin at gunpoint, removes his face mask to reveal that he is Christopher Chance. Seeing Christopher, Dancer recognizes him and his mind just snaps. He starts begging Chance not to hurt him, then continues to deteriorate to the point where he starts referring to Chance as Daddy, leaving Chance with nothing to do but comfort his father's killer until the authorities arrive with no idea about why, how he contacted the authorities. Yeah. What'd you think about this one? I was on board enjoying it and then that ending happened. Uh, I don't uh, even know what to make of it. <laughs> it well, kind of makes what, sense. How? Okay, explain that to me. Well, think about it. Okay. Uh, of course, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but and DC doesn't do no prices. But here's my thinking. Dancer was really traumatized by that murder because, as I recall last issue, he kept telling Chance to stop looking at him before he ran off. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe he's been carrying guilt over it or possibly a fear of Chance coming after him ever since then. And this is 20 years later, so he's been doing that for a while. And then Chance shows up, and he's standing there with a gun pointed at him, and Chance is pretty pissed. Oh, sorry. Chance is pretty ticked. And so I'm thinking it's just he finally just broke. 
and but I don't know why he's referring to him as daddy. That's where but, I that's where I lost it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I was I was kind of understanding, yeah, this is I know it's anticlimactic, but it was dramatic, and then he starts calling him daddy. Why is he calling him daddy? Is he quoting the kid or uh I it just Ooh. It, no, it just it left me more confused than ever. <laughs> Because I was totally on board, I was totally loving it. Chance is going to get his revenge. We got the origin, and suddenly we hit this brick wall at the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about quoting. What does he? Okay, wait a minute. What does he say here? Please don't hurt me. I promise I'll be good. Please don't hurt me. I'll be a good boy, Daddy. I'll be good. I don't think he was quoting Chance. No, which makes Chance was evil. older. He wasn't referring to his him as Daddy. It's just weird I I, <laughs> I know we've used that yeah. for a lot of things but this may be the weirdest of the week <laughs> wow it, it, we're definitely starting to feel the 70s kicking in here yeah. is, I think what it is these long haired hippies writing comic books uh, was that all you had? yeah because I was talking okay. the artist <laughs> and all but I, I just could not oh, yeah. I couldn't go back and reconstruct it because I was too puzzled by the ending. Yeah, the, the only note I have, other than what we just discussed, was that ladder was very convenient, oh. as I mentioned in my synopsis. But, yeah, it, it's kind of weird how he, he... I don't know if we've actually had to deal with anyone being high in a book yet, as well as far as what's been covered on the show. Um, I think I, know, it, I read it as implied. I mean, I I took it as that, but they never actually said. <laughs> yeah, he says it. Uh, hold on, we get to it. Um, the wheel man was high on something. That much was obvious. Okay. I caught a glimpse of his glazed eyes and knew what he planned to do. I see. So that. yeah, they kind of say it, but it's off. You can overlook it because they didn't actually. It's the only caption box they didn't color in. <laughs> All the rest are like pink and yellow, or yellow, or orange, and this one's just left on. Oh, there's a couple blue ones. But yeah, anyway. But yeah, that again, not much to say on this. Um, the art was good. I really liked the art, and I thought the story was very moody, and I was getting pretty excited for the end. Uh, it kind of threw me for a loop. I, I understand. I kind of understood why the why dancer snaps. I don't understand the daddy thing, but yeah, beyond that, I, I, other than that, it was a good story. Well, but that's kind of the the key point it. for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ending is what kind of kills it, and the ending to a story like this, yeah. But still, I'm still missing exactly when the authorities were called. He says he stays with Dancer, comforting him until the authorities come. What did the authorities have on Dancer? Really. Well, I'm guessing he might have confessed. Or, if he's crazy now, they might have just taken him away to, you know, admit him. Oh, true. But, yeah. I don't know. If he's a, an assassin like that, he they probably have stuff on him but couldn't pin him or something. I don't know. Or he could have gone ahead and confessed to everything. and I don't know. There's no telling. So yeah, great story, disappointing ending. Darn it. 
Well, did you? It was so. Was that all you had to say on that? Yeah, <laughs> that was the biggest all part right. of it for me. <laughs> okay, well then, well, that was pretty quick. Uh, give us just a couple more minutes. We're going to do a couple more promos, and we'll come back with May 1973. After these messages, we'll be right back. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. I'm Batman. This looks like a job for Superman. Monthly Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at two truefreaks.libson.com. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Batgirl to Oracle is a podcast and site dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the Batgirl mantle for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1985. The goal of BTO is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Batgirl and continue on through her current tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at vintage issues of Detective Comics and Batman and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I examine Barbara Gordon's appearances in the media, such as TV, film, etc. I've been blessed to be able to interview writer Brian Q. Miller, and I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Please visit us online at batgirltooracle.net and look for us on iTunes. Thank you. And we're back. Next up, we're going to talk about the books from the, with a May 1973 cover date. And we're done with that. So, I guess all we can do now is move on to the ads. Looking forward to June uh, now. <laughs> yes, looking forward to June. You haven't... I didn't accidentally... Don't worry, folks. We didn't accidentally cut something out. As it turns out, DC did one of their... I don't know, move another month ahead things uh, with the publication and the cover date. So there was no May 1973 cover dated issues, which is strange. So this this uh, they had... These had April on the cover. The very next issues have June 1973 on the cover. So we haven't missed anything. Uh, we were just having fun. I don't think that's allowed didn't. on a podcast. No, I hope you all didn't have heart attacks or anything. <laughs> uh, first up, we have ads. And we have some interesting ones this time. Inside the front cover from Cheerful House, White Plains, New York. Apparently they're selling seeds 
and you can get prizes or just is this just money this is just money yeah no? you actually sell all these you're selling a magnetic photo album on the eighth row mahogany coaster cabinet which looks like an alcoholic beverage <laughs> and and the seeds and the fantastic cards yeah it's another Fagan operation it's another yes it's another one of those but this time we don't get prices would you it doesn't even tell you how much money? money you could get well this one doesn't even tell you how much money you'd get well it says oh it costs you nothing to try hundred dollars is yours you get a hundred bucks for this uh, anyway okay moving right along <clears throat> um, across from page six I don't know if you have any more before that. Mm -mm. We have that cool Aurora AFX ad that kind of has a minimalist artistic quality to it. Like someone forgot to finish it. Uh, we, we talked about that a few times from before. Um, across from page 9, we have the super bodybuilding course from with Maury Mitchell gaining 65 pounds with their revolutionary... Revolutionary new methods of taking human growth hormones. Um, it doesn't say the human growth hormone, but it's kind of implied. Um, jump in anytime. Across from page twelve. Page twelve. I have got re reward. You can get these pennies and p get money for them, and other gold coins and silver dollars and quarters and pennies. You know, I've had pennies from these. Years on it. What's the difference? I got gypped on that ad. You don't have it. Well, I don't know if gypped is the right word. I, <laughs> so you're missing a lot of work. <laughs> I wouldn't say missing. Let's see. Um, I got the Action Comics coming super attractions, which does mention the Superman issue, Luthor's Hammer of Fate, and in the May Superman number two sixty four, it does list it as May, even though it does have a June cover date. Meet a new member of the Superman family in Secret of the Phantom Slinger. Which is, uh, obviously they didn't have the title finalized yet because it's a Secret of the Phantom quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it actually, I think, believe it actually says that in Superman, but one of the weirdest sports tales of all time, and why did it men on Superman's homeworld wear headbands? Read the new Fabulous World of Krypton story. Which we will get into next episode. Oh, the Phantom Slinger one was the sports one. I'm like... Phantom, Why is the headband one? Phantom quarterback. Sports. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's we. I, yeah, okay. Um. Well, let's see. That was what page fifteen or sixteen at the end of mine. Fifteen. Okay, page fifteen on this in action. We have and see by here they fixed it in the June Superman two sixty four. You'll view the most fantastic football game of all time, a secret of the Phantom quarterback, in which you'll meet a new member of the Superman family. In the same issue, visit the fabulous world of Krypton and learn the amazing truth about the headband warriors of Krypton. Warriors. So, by by the end of the month, they had it figured out. By the beginning of the month, they didn't know yet, apparently. No, I mean, it's a work in progress at all times. And, next issue, the man of tomorrow clashes with the ape of tomorrow in... Should I tell the title? Tell you what the title is? Tell him the title. Get him excited. Okay. Gorilla Grodd's Grandstand Play. Don't miss the first meeting of Superman and the Super Gorilla. 
And also, this uh, that next issue is Action Plus Tales stars the Green Arrow in a solo story, the Candy Kitchen Caper. It's a it's a great one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't know about about um, everybody, but I know um, growing up in Maryland, specifically when you get out to the beaches on the East Coast, uh, they have actual stores called Candy Kitchen. And apparently, of course, I don't eat them. I don't eat taffy, but apparently they have great saltwater taffy at these places. So when I think of that, I think of can- the Candy Kitchen. And it turns out it has nothing to do with the Candy Kitchen I'm thinking of. But but that, that's for next time. Memories. Yeah, memories. It's so nice. Uh, then, of course, I have that cool Grumman Aerospace picture. Yeah, you uh, do. I have the biggest bargain in comics. The 100-page Sergeant Rock special, and then the subscription ad again. I have the subscription ad at the bottom half of this, where you can get 15 consecutive issues of any book DC publishes for just $3. I wonder how hard it was to get your parents to give you three bucks to get comics. Ah, I got the penny ad! Sorry, it's towards the back. Sorry. (laughs) Yay, David's got the penny ad. There's something wrong with the fact that I felt slighted by that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're a little freaky. Um, <laughs> super freak, super freak. Oh, I gotta find the song now. Thanks. Yep. Uh, YouTube. So you got the penny ad, and does it have the badges ad with the conservation and yeah stuff? Yeah, we had. Okay, that's the same one I had earlier. Um, next up on the sec after the second page of the backup we have the three big drafting kits given to you when you train at home for a high paying job in drafting yeah get a get a job get 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 a job it's a booming economy <laughs> yes. you, you do not want to be working at a gas station during this time though no 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 that would not that <laughs> you won't be getting a high paying job there Mm-mm. um next up uh, across from the fifth page of the story, there's an ad. My ad is new sew-on four-inch patches, each up with up to seven vibrant colors, featuring the first one is because I guess they couldn't say the name Superdog, which is crypto, but they call it Superdog. Number two is the Superman symbol. The third one is Superman. The fourth one is Superboy. The fifth one is the Joker. With a, with a few haws around him. Number six is Catwoman. Number seven is Robin. Eight is the Penguin. Nine is the Batman logo of the of well the then current Batman logo. Number ten is Batman. Uh, number eleven is Supergirl. Number twelve is Wonder Woman. And together on one extra large five inch patch for two bucks you can get Superman and Batman. Yeah, the world's and, finest. Oh, and then that they can yeah they are they make up number 13 and number 14 is the riddler see you could have played that number 13 is is uh, could have been you could have made a riddle <laughs> oh well i i'm sorry we can come back and do it i don't i'm not a riddler guy if i could figure out how to get that clip and go and just have the riddler say the riddler Riddle me this. Riddle uh, me that. Who's the guy on this big patch? <laughs> wow. That didn't sound the best. Okay, anyway. And do you have that in yours? 
Yeah, yeah, and I have that right underneath the super catalog. Oh, you have it on the bottom. Mine's on the top. Yep. And the bottom one I've got is that insult, the insult that made a man out of Mac, the uh-huh. Charles Atlas <laughs> ad that we always love. Next up, I've got, uh, which is right after the last page of the story, uh, I've got these the, the cool, really cheapo uh, war sets. The top one is the Wood Edge game, which looks like... I don't know, World War One maybe. And the other one looks like from Silver War with a cannonball. This game was dedicated to fighting to the fighting heroes of Chickamauga. Chickamauga. I've got a task force and a tank trap. Tank trap. Sweet. That's what it says. The tank is a crawling armored skin, fire spitting, man eating enemy. Oh, let me try that again. A tank is a crawling, armored skin, <laughs> fire-spitting, man-eating monster that preys on any helpless enemy. <laughs> but it can be stopped with the courage and the daring. You're the live bait in this tank trap. Directed by Yule Bull. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That drama decision was brought to you by J. David Weeder. <laughs> um, then the f- uh, final actual comic page is... Uh, well, we got like I guess three ads on this page. The top one is the big income career in accounting. <laughs> big income career in accounting. Yeah, yes. which sure is just in time. Ladies. Just in time. Ironic that we would have an accounting ad in a April issue. Ooh. Considering you know, accountants are pretty important at that point. Are they as important as the scary life-size monster ghost? I think not. No, but that thing's over seven feet tall, and it obeys your commands. It rises, jumps, darts, floats in the air. And the cost is your ability to dream. Yes. (laughs) Like in the Superman issue. Hmm. See how it all comes full circle? I like that. Circle of life. And then... Exactly. (laughs) And then... The blood-curdling vampire bat for a dollar. It does stuff at your command as well, even when you hide far away. It'll rattle windows with terrifying, loud, creepy sounds. It'll climb, crawl, dance, jump, float in the air, and the eyes glow eerily in the dark. And you get a horror outfit free with the order. And I just want to clarify that I said horror, uh, not something else that sounds similar to that because that would be a weird outfit. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I just want... I'm glad you did clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then, of course, the inside back cover is... What is this? The J- Junior Sales Club of America. Where you have a picture of a bunch of hippies in bell-bottoms selling things to get prizes, such as an electric corn popper. Or a stereophonograph with records... You only have to sell three orders on that one. That must be a pretty critty... Oh, it's a Yorkie Terrier radio. You only have to sell one order. Wow, they're moving up. If I could could get into the DeLorean right now, I would have a a Yorkie (laughs) Terrier radio. Well, and then I could get the... the, You could could get the the poodle one for your wife. Yeah. And wouldn't you guys be the cute couple? It'd be adorable. With your dog radios. That would be adorable. Um, and then on the back cover, we have three kids that don't look like they enjoy being kids, uh, learning about prizes they can make selling 
seeds from American Seed Company. What kind of seeds yeah. would those be, I wonder? <laughs> well, let's see. From what I can tell, we have petunia, beans, radish, sweet corn, sweet peas, aster, and zinnia, 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 Okay. Do they really, are they really, do they really have blue ones? I or, don't think they're actually blue, no. I don't know, I don't, I, I'm not a flower guy. But dude, they could have gotten an archery set. Oh, I like a girl's travel going. case. A girl's travel case. Cassette tape recorder. Transistor radio. Polaroid color pack camera. Sweet. Or magic set. Floor. floor. Four player badminton. That's where I was going next. Flash camera outfits. A croquet set. Ooh, bicycles. Flying models. Basketball with goal. And a chemistry set <laughs> so you too can become the Flash. Look at the image for the basketball and goal. Apparently you also get Barry and Chamberlain. <laughs> they come with them. <laughs> Free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. And that's it for the ads this month. Next up, we have... Elsewhere in the DC multiverse, multiverse, multiverse. In the year 3000. <laughs> or the year 1973. <laughs> well, starting off with that is Justice League of America, number 105. I we have a, I almost said a Julia Schwartz, a Giordano cover. <laughs> I always liked when the Justice League had that border where you could kind of see the members on the side. Yes, even though it made the um, actual cover image like really small. Yeah, but in this one, introducing the newest member of the Justice League, well, we don't know yet. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Red Tornado. I'm going to say Spectre, since the title of the story is Spectre in the Shadows. Oh. Uh, That's a possibility as well. It is actually Red Tornado. You win! Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I would think if they were going to throw in Spectre, you'd see some of the JSA on the cover, too. True. And they spell Spectre wrong. Well, as the winner, you get to choose the next issue. Ooh, next issue. Okay, big money, big money, big money. Stop! Swamp Thing number four. That's got a great cover, is that? That is a pretty cool Bernie Wrightson cover. It's hard to get... Looks like Swamp Thing's ripping himself out through the ground while being attacked by a... pig. Mm -hmm. Or whatever that is. I don't know, but it's a very moody cover. It looks really cool. It definitely would be a good Halloween cover, Ooh, even though it's not. And you know what's weird? But the cover on this says May. Yeah, that's... There's something odd here. I think... I don't uh, think... And the Justice League one had May, too. I don't know what... D, uh, DC doesn't know what they're doing. Either DC doesn't, or... Well, maybe Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics did us wrong. Well, but, I don't know. That's it. Maybe there's some more April ones. There's... There is there is another April. Uh, yeah. Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 130, which has an awesome John Rothenberger cover of Lois Lane causing a mental murder to Clark Kent. That one has an April cover date. And Lois looks like she's been 
caroling. Yeah, I was going to say, she looks like she's doing the naughty Mrs. Claus dance or something. <laughs> then there's um, Batman number 248 that has an April cover. Uh, let's see, with Death Knell for a traitor. And it's actually got a pretty cool looking white Kaluta cover. Oh, I remember this story. This was in the greatest Batman stories ever told, if I'm thinking correctly. I bet it is. Death Knell for Traitor. Is that... It does not show that. Okay. I don't... doesn't look like it. I don't know. Maybe it's the backup. No, that's a Robin story. The Immortals of Usen Castle. Weird. I don't know. It looks really cool, though. Yep. Next. Commandy, Last Boy on Earth number five, with, of course, a Jack Kirby cover with Commandy finding a gorilla. See, that just proves my points. If you put a grill on the cover, people will come. And they'll come and read the story, too. Yep. Uh, Legion of Superheroes, number three, with a Kurt Swan, George Klein cover. See, they decided not to do a new one. They just used an old one, apparently. But it's the Legion versus Computo, the Conqueror. Sweet. Which looks like uh, Herbie from... Not Herbie, but the guy from Short Circuit. Ooh, number five. Thank you. He's alive. Uh, that se- number five. <laughs> Secret Origins, number two, has an April slash May cover date and features the origin of Supergirl, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, and The Atom, as in The oh, Silver Age like Atom. Really cool cover, too. Actually, I'll agree with that because it actually has little vignettes. It'll ha- it Kind of like Justice League, it has the characters on the left side with a broad panel of their, or- you know, kind of depicting their origin in mm-hmm. kind of the middle right side. Very cool looking. The Atom definitely stands out. Yes. And uh, what I'm noticing is the issues that have the May co- cover date are like the ones that come out maybe bi monthly. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an April May cover date. Ah. And then the monthly ones just have April, is what I'm picking up here. Um, Shazam! Shazam! Number two. I wish we had a thunderclap sound effect. Oh, I wish I did too. Um, but this one's interesting. It's uh, basically you have three kids from the 70s. Uh, it's actually a photo, and the kid's holding. Get this, kids or folks. He's holding a copy of an what looks to be an oversized version of Shazam number three or Shazam number two, and on the cover of that is a kid holding the cover to an oversized copy of Shazam number two. And on that cover, see, oh, it's so weird. But uh, Captain Marvel flies out of the comic book, and that's the only actual art on the cover. Everything, the rest of it's a photo cover. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It is actually really cool. I was also kind of taken with the cover to World's Finest Comics number two seventeen. It uh, looks like Metamorpho is kind of becoming a new composite Superman because he's got metal arms. He's split down the middle with the two Whoa. heroes' costumes. Yep, it's Metamorpho. And apparently his left arm died because it's just sitting there on the ground. It's just limp. Metamorpho had a small wow. stroke. Yeah, and if that was me, I would be hurting because he's standing in the splits. And that looks painful. Mm-hmm. But he's... Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's not bad. Uh, Demon number eight. Another Jack Kirby cover showing that Kirby doesn't put apes on all of his covers. This one has a guy sort of covering his face, but carrying a big sword. Plus, you know, Demon. Yeah, he's there too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Flash 221 has an awesome Nick Cardi cover. He really knows how to draw the Flash. 
as the Flash uh, basically coming to a skidding stop as the city splits around him and falls apart like an earthquake. And of course, we get an extra Green Lantern trail. Death threat on Titan. That's one of of uh, Saturn's moons. Mm-hmm. You're welcome for that little bit of teaching. Um, How do you know that? Super- I did. It, I know it from the Legion of Superheroes. How do you know it? Oh, uh, well, I know it from the Legion and other superhero comics, but I also know because I, I learned it at a planetarium. Planetarium. Yes, the planetarium. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> wow. Um, Superboy number 194, in which Superboy becomes a merman. Actually, shouldn't he be a merboy? Uh, if he's Superboy... I, 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 he shouldn't be any of those, so I'm not well, going to yeah, touch that's, that. That's, that's, that's right, but still... Um, yeah. You're next. Let's see. Adventure Comics isn't really superhero, but Detective Comics number 434 has a Michael William Kaluta cover with Superman fighting a ghost of some kind. Kind of looks like... Which is... And apparently he's wearing a Batman costume. Yeah. Uh, you said Superman. Oh. What? <laughs> Let's try that again. De- yeah. Detective Comics... <laughs> Detective Comics 434 has Batman battling some sort of ghost in white. Kind of look like looks like a ring wraith from Lord of the Rings. And it's yes. got a Hawkman backup feature. Hey! Woo-hoo! The riddle of the red-handed robber. And, of course, the Batman t- story is entitled The Spook That Stalked Batman. <laughs> it sounds scary. Mm-hmm. And then, Metal Men number 43, in which they fight... Chemo. And lose their heads. Literally. You'll find that, that oh, happens from time to time. Yes, yes, yes. And that's really it for the superhero comics of the month. Um, thank you all for listening. And, yeah. Um, and see, make sure you listen to our other shows. I'm, in addition to this, I show up on Michael Bradley's Thrilling Adventures of Superman and David. I am on the new 52 Adventures of Superman. The second episode will be coming out. Uh, this will be Sunday, the 15th. So take a look at that. And I'm also on Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast at the Incredible Hulk homepage.com. And Green Lantern's Light with Mr. Michael Bradley at GreenLanternsLight.com. Is that it? Uh, well, Charlie and I, <laughs> you probably already know this, but we, on the current episode of uh, from Crisis to Crisis Superman oh, podcast, yes. we got a chance to sit down at a round table and talk about our impressions of the death of Superman. With yes, many of our friends. And we didn't actually do impressions; we just told, you know, talked about it. Uh, it's not like we were like, "Oh, oh, Doomsday." Yeah. Well, we did uh, that, but it was off. Uh, he's probably gonna, uh, he's going to edit. Yeah, he's going to edit that out. So probably. And I, we we spent a lot of time working that little thing up, so I'm a little upset with that. <laughs> I know, man. Speaking of Michael Bailey and from Spilly, Crisis, yes, yep, he possibly is joining us next episode to help us w- usher in a well, not really a whole new era, but bring in a new member, as the teaser ads told us, a new member of the Superman family. So make sure you listen to next episode where we have a special guest to talk about things with us and make the episode longer. Yes. <laughs> but that I think that wraps us up for this time. Yes. So, thank you again for listening. Um, I'm Charlie. I am David. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. I miss you already.
Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weeder. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com, where new episodes are posted bi-weekly. Episodes are posted at superbronze1970.libsyn.com, supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com, amazingworldofsuperman.com, and supermanhomepage.com. You can also subscribe to the show via the RSS feed and iTunes. All images, characters, and music used in the show are for entertainment purposes only. No money is made by the show. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Publications.